0: If you're in Acts, I'm gonna look at chapter two and chapter 13 and chapter eight, if the Lord will help us for a little bit. I wanna say thank God for camp meeting. The first camp meeting, according to Bill Grady, the historian, Cane Ridge, Kentucky. The first camp meeting as we know it in the year 1800 uh, east of lexington a little town called paris we're going to go try to find it this year and it was the methodist and congregationalist and then some baptist and they gathered up it was just supposed to be the fall revival but god got in it and began to breathe on it And people came, I think it was about 10 weeks in their buck wagons and covered wagons until there was over 30,000. And they stayed over 10 weeks. And it became a tradition. I personally believe that camp meeting is God's remedy for how evil the end times are. Seven times, when you've cleaned the place out and then what, and the devil's in there seven times worse than before. When the furnace is heated, seven times hotter right there at that image of the beast. Uh, Revelation one mentioned the seven spirits of God. God can match the enemy. All right, I need a little help right there, God. Now, I'm aware of emotionalism and uh, in this hour, we don't, we don't have a problem with that. We've got a problem with worldliness and apostasy. Can I get a witness right there? We're beyond people being emotional, they're just plum wicked. Can I get a witness right there? And, and I'm a believer, and I believe God calls these special meetings to match the special devils that are Roman, I want to thank God for Brother McKenzie. I'm glad my three children got to hear that. And I sit in there thinking, Brother McKenzie, the adults probably need it more than any of the young people. That was Lucifer's original sin. Looking at the throne, looking at the Son of God to be that reflector, that light bearer, that light reflector. I'm not trying to preach a sermon, but I will because it's a sermon we all need. That was original iniquity. He wanted what was not his. And that's what he came to Eve with. And And that was tremendous, brother. And you helped me, I'm gonna be honest and transparent in front of these people. I'm gonna be honest in front of God. Preachers, we gotta be honest or we can't help anybody. Uh, i 've wrestled the last couple of years. i don't know well, I guess it is envy or if the Lord hurt my feelings, but god 's never given me what i 've asked him for. But when he was done, it was always better. And I started when I was a boy, just like some of y'all. I got dear friends in here, been in the ministry. Like me, I was 13 when the Lord called me. And I asked him for some big things. And he's never done the things that I had in mind. But he's done what was in his mind. In the last couple of years, I've looked at a couple of things and said, why didn't you give me that? Is that honest enough? not meaning to be rebellious, not meaning to be angry with God because I'm not being, but in my little heart, why didn't you let me have that? I'm being honest and you strengthened me tonight. And I mean, I've confessed it as soon as I thought it and I've trusted God, but that old nature still lives in there. And you helped me tonight to be reminded that what God's given me is better than anything I could have come up with. Is that all right? Preachers, we gotta be honest. We're not gonna help our people playing games. Now you be careful of camp meeting. It's easy to turn into performance. Come on now. And if you, and I'm talking to the young preachers. I'm not rebuking the older preachers. I'm talking to the young men. If you zoom in on the manifestations, you're gonna go charismatic. Don't ever glory in your glory. You shouldn't worship your worship. Don't be singing about your song. Don't be preaching about your sermon. Y'all ain't helping me. Make sure your ministry's not about your ministry. Make sure your church is not about your church. When we sing about our songs and preach about our sermons, we done left the sincerity of what this thing's about. We're not in this camp meeting to get a rise or to have a good service. We're in this camp meeting because he did rise And we need to have a God service. Quit worrying about trying to have a good service, young men. Just have a God service, it'll turn out good. Can I get a witness? You be careful, any time that you begin to veer in this hour because of social media's influence on preachers, they're either going contemporary or they're going Calvinist. Contemporary is because you got a charismatic slant about you, and Calvinist is because you got a Catholic slant about you. One of them appeals to the emotion, the other appeals to the intellect. You better get away from your heart and your mind, and you better get in the word of God. Can I get a witness? That Calvinism comes from long before Calvin. It came from Augustine, eat up with Greek philosophy. He was, he was at the same time of Constantine who got the Roman Empire, the Roman Catholic Church kicked off. And I've noticed boys on the internet that do not go in a contemporary route will go a Calvinist route. One is cold and hard and you end up being a Catholic church. Those boys going contemporary, you have to drop Baptist and drop your Bible. And you also got to drop the men that ordained you. Can I get a witness right there? I've got all my friends, the ones that ain't left. I've got the men that signed my ordination paper are still the men of God in my life, the ones that are alive. I need a little help right there. You've got to leave your friends and your mentors because you've changed. you've changed too much. We got a world harvest meeting this weekend with our missionaries. And you know who's, you know who's going to be there? Preachers from my first ministry when I was 21, the men of God, the one who ordained me and the one who preached my ordination. This is my 30th year in full time ministry, 40th year of preaching. I started when I was young. But if you've got to trade in your friends and your preachers, you've taken a wrong path. I need a little help right there. We better make sure this thing's about the Lord. I want to say I appreciate Brother Chris Simpson. I've had the privilege of being with him from the beginning. I remember him out in the parking lot flirting with Miss Heather when they were 16. <laughs> and I think he married her six months later. He done had a family and a church before he was 20. He couldn't even drink, but he could go ahead and get on in there, that is. He got an early start. He'd be retiring in the next two or three years, probably. Y'all take good care of him around here in his old, older years. I appreciate Brother Simpson and I appreciate what God's doing after, after Corona. Now, I don't think Corona's going anywhere. That green cloud rolled in from the Far East, a precursor, I think, to the tribulation period, putting all the nations on the same page. But after the shutdown, lockdown, God killed some things Can I be honest with you? We got a lot of things that we've been doing needs to die. Let God give you a jubilee. Let him shut you down for a while. When he opens it back up, quit hanging on to the old and let God do some new things. This camp meeting is a new thing. And I'm thrilled to be in it. I think we got the right man for it. And I appreciate his character and his integrity and his sincerity. And I appreciate his testimony with the word of God. Well, I've tried to talk my nerves away. What do you think? Are y'all in Acts 2? If the Lord had helped me for a little while and I'm really gonna need his help, if that Holy Ghost don't breathe on us, we're in a mess, you know. You can't do this stuff by yourself. It takes the help of God a burden on my heart, the Lord burdened me. When Brother Simpson asked me about, I was supposed to preach Wednesday night, but I'm on Tuesday night, and who knows what'll happen on Wednesday night. I'm with the new flyer. I'm here with the new flyer. It's called flying by the seat of your Breeches. That's that new flyer. <laughs> it's good to be real. Better learn to be. The Lord's given me recent studies in the Book of Acts. He put me on a study with the only brother Piercy, Do you notice he didn't let us evangelists stand up while ago? I'm a little, I was a little hurt by that, but uh, we'll get it. We'll, we'll make him pay for that later. The only evangelist in the Bible, or the only fellow that was called an evangelist, is Philip and he was a deacon and then an evangelist, and the Lord had me studying Philip the evangelist. Well, in the middle of that, I got into some other things, looking at the book of Acts, and and we know it's a transition book, but the Lord got me on this. I'm gonna give you my thought up front and then preach the burden out of our heart and see if the Lord will help us. I got to looking at, and, and I don't, bring many titles. I can't ever think of a good title until after the sermon. <laughs> and then I get that from my friends who think of good titles. But uh, Pentecost is preachers. Pentecost is preachers. I, I was looking at, at Philip there in chapter eight, but the Lord opened a thing, a thought up to me. Peter preached his message in Acts two, and then Paul preached his first message in Acts 13. Now, them them were the two apostles, one under the circumcision and one to the uncircumcision. Are y'all bearing witness with me? Peter was called pastored in Jerusalem and a spokesman on that day in Acts two. He was that apostle under the Jews. And then Paul, as of one born out of due time, that apostle to the Gentiles. And I I took notice of Peter's message. And then I went and took notice of Paul's message. And then right between them was Philip's message. Well, the book of Acts is a very dispensational book. And Peter, I think it seems strongly was addressing the jews and then paul over there got saved in chapter 9 the lord i'm going to send you to be a light to the gentiles peter's on the rooftop in chapter 10 and more let that net drop down peter fades off the scene the torch is passed to paul and paul preaches uh, strongly It seemed flavored toward the gentile Well, what interested me in that was that Philip preaches to the Jew-Gentiles, the Samaritans, and all in Samaria, and that great revival in the city of Samaria. And they were half Jew, half Gentile. Are are y'all with me right here? I need to say a couple things about the book of Acts. You be real careful. All of our Church of God and, and Pentecostal brothers out there try to lose their salvation they got to do it in the book of acts or the book of hebrews they go to matthew or acts or hebrews and they always enter into some warnings that god is given to the jews and then try to twist that up over in the middle of gentile salvation doctrine can i get a witness right there and so i got news for you baptists are the only group that not burst out of the defiled womb of the Roman Catholic harlot church, and we're the only one that stands strong on once you're saved, you're always saved. Amen. Now, the reason we believe once you're saved, you're always saved is because once you're saved, you're always saved. <laughs> and, and I'm just saying that because there's so much confusion in this hour. The Pentecostals come along in the 1900s and, uh, and, and go back to their harlot mother and try to bring works into it. Thank God, old-timey Baptist, I'm not a brighter, but I ain't far from it. But uh, I, I'm not a brighter, but I'm glad I'm in the bride of Christ. now, Peter under the Jews, Paul under the Gentiles, And Philip runs in between them. A Jew-Gentile message. Now the book of Acts is so dispensational, but I need to mention two things quickly. Uh, Be careful about being a hyper-dispensationalist. That whole Bible's for you. We know there's divisions. We know what God did in the Garden of Eden, you know, it happened there. What God did with Noah, it happened there. What God did with Moses, it happened there. What God did with Paul, it, it happened there. And what he's gonna do in the seven years of tribulation, it'll have, what, the way it'll be in the millennial reign. But I do wanna say this, men have always been saved by grace and there's never been any works to it. <laughs> you get a little witness right there. And uh, they've always been saved by grace, not by law, not by works. And so we look at this and, and I just wanna hit, some spiritual truth that the Lord spoke to my heart about these three messages. And in Acts 2, beginning in verse 14, there's Peter standing up with the 11, lifted up his voice, and he preached all the way down to verse 36. Now, if you don't mind, let me me, uh, say a little something about out of verse 40 before I show you my thought. Look in verse 40 after he got done preaching. And with many other words did he testify and exhort. Can I say something my hearts with the preachers? I appreciate Brother McKenzie. God gave him a heart for the young people tonight. Thank God for it. You made my heart burn, brother. You made my heart burn. I'm glad our God is a jealous God, but he's never been envious. He guards his bride. Anyway, you got me preaching three sermons back there. Uh, But my heart's with the men of God tonight. Let me warn you one thing that they'll say in this hour. So many of our friends and brothers who have gone contemporary, good night, where I went to Bible college, 95% of them gone contemporary. I pastored in my 20s and and most of the friends that I had then have gone contemporary. I preached for a Bible college and uh, quite a bit and got deep in it and they all went. And I just keep losing friends every decade. Help me now. I started when I was 13, God let me preach my first revival at 16. It was an amazing, profound, powerful revival. And the reason I know that is nobody needed one again for about seven years. That thing went the duration of a tribulation period. They didn't need me again and for another seven years. That must have been some revival. Anyway, that's how I spun it anyway. That uh, thing lasted seven years before anybody found my phone number again that's how great it was yeah i'll be signing bibles just after i've already signed 10 back there people went to the bathroom i signed all their bad bibles <laughs> you'll appreciate it one day don't throw away the champions don't throw them away you never know what you got your hands on there <laughs> One of the things they're telling our generation of preachers is, now boys, don't get off topic and don't be controversial. And Americans, you got to reach them and don't talk about certain things and just preach Christ. Just death, burial, resurrection, 12 minutes, you ought to cut it off. Let Americans go back to being Americans. Just preach the gospel. Nothing else really is your business. Well, I'm sorry, what were them many other words? I need a little help right there. I could take you over there to Paul where he preached till the sun came up. That's when old Eutychus fell out the window and died. Y'all know what Lester Roloff said about Eutychus. He said, you'd cussed too if you'd have fell out of that thing. Of that. Children don't cuss. Remember his sermon. Farm language is one thing, blasphemy is another. Don't stay away from it, stay away from it. Well, and you know it said, and when Paul was long preaching, when he was long preaching, and with many other words, do y'all know I found the scripture where it said, I want to know nothing among among you, save Christ and him crucified? Do you know I found the scripture that said, just preach Christ? Y'all know where it is? Y'all know where it is, it's in 1 Corinthians. Wow, what a letter to only know Christ. That's where Paul dealt with every specific sin that he could find in the church. And he dealt with it publicly. I just wanna say to you boys, you need to really get to preaching and do some preaching. Go to Acts eight real quick. Look at me running into an introduction I'd never heard before. Look in Acts eight. Philip's message. Let's see if I can identify all these places where we have different kind of preaching. Acts eight verse four said so they went everywhere doing what? Preaching the word. Look in verse five. He went down to the city of Samaria and he did what? Preach Christ. Come down to verse twelve. But when they believed Philip preaching what? The things concerning the kingdom of God. Are y'all with me so far? And the name of Jesus Christ. All right, now let's see. Come to verse 25. And they, when they had testified and what? Preached the word of the Lord. Returned to Jerusalem and preached what? The gospel. And then look in verse 35. I may be skipping some. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him what? My, 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 and come down to verse 40, but Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through, he did what? Preached in all all the cities. Underline them, young preachers, that's, that's, that's all the bases that we have to cover. There's at least eight of them. Don't listen to this crowd who tells you just preach about 12 minutes, the death, burial, and resurrection, and then dismiss, and you're not allowed to touch anything else. We need some long preaching. We need them many other words. Peter, I'm gonna show you three things if the Lord will help me. With Peter's sermon, I'm not gonna get in the sermon, I'm gonna get around it. Write this, two parameters. Two parameters, there is something at the beginning of his message, that I want to show you, and something at the end. An old preacher from Mississippi showed me this in my 20s. We got several Mississippi preachers back here. Old brother Pat McNair, probably don't know him, but he laid down on Percy Ray's deathbed. After they got his body off of it, he laid down on that deathbed and asked God for a double portion. He lived at death's door. Brother Pat McNair, a little evangelist. He lived at death's door for 40 years. I I don't want to say be careful what you ask for, but you better be walking with God when you ask for some things. Brother Pat McNair, and he had the power of God on his life. He never did regret that. But old brother Pat showed me this, and I'm going to show you boys this. And and I'm just going to, I'm not going to be long with this said the evangelist who knew he would be long with this. (laughs) Look in chapter two, verse 12. Here's what old brother McNair showed us before this sermon. This sermon was triggered by a question. Chapter two, verse 12, and they were all amazed. By the way, 17 nations were mentioned right here. 17 nations. Where is it says every nation? chapter two, verse five. That's interesting to me, that every nation under heaven was represented there when Peter and them boys got filled with the Holy Ghost and he preached. Now, we might wanna go back and study what all them, every nation under heaven was represented. Isn't that something? God may have got her all done right there before, before any time went by. Colossians chapter one said the gospel was preached to every creature which is under heaven by Colossians one. That's interesting to me. I don't know what all that meant, but I'm gonna believe it. Every nation under heaven, and then he listed 17 nations. You study Bible numerology, and 17 is the number of victory. 17 nations are mentioned. And then he comes to where are we at? They've all heard him speak. Verse 12, and they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, what meaneth this? What meaneth this? Now go to verse 37, right at the end of the message. He got done in verse 36. In verse 37, now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And this is where he said, repent and told them how to be be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, told them how to be saved. Now, isn't that something? Here's what old brother McNair showed me. He said, son, they're never gonna ask asking, what does all this mean? I just want you to circle them two men and, and draw a line between them and go back and ask God at your church to do something to where the power of God falls on your church to where people come around and say, what does all this mean? Can I get a little help right there? That's as deep as I'm going. I just want to stir our hearts that the, listen, the Holy Ghost is meant for me and you also. Half of our independent fundamental Baptists for 80 years have said Acts 2 is not for you. I understand there were special, unique things that took place on that day. I understand there were apostolic signs and wonders. I understand there are things, signs, and, and, and the manifestations of the, that you're not gonna see after the completion of the Bible and after the ministry of the apostles. But brother, you still got the Holy Ghost. We still got the power of God. We still got to, and you're not going to function without it in the church age. The Holy Ghost, brother, he'll land on your place. We got, we got to quit having dead church. How do I do that? I don't know, but you got to want to. You got to want to. Zechariah chapter 10, verse one. God burned that in my heart as a young pastor. Ask ye of the Lord, rain in the time of latter rain. And I understand the prophecies and the dispensations going on there. I understand some of it, but I know we're in the time of the latter rain. You ain't got to look around much and see, we're there at the end times and we can still ask for rain. We may be in the land to see an age, but I still hear a knocking on the door. If any man will open that door. Right. Yeah. Underline two things right there the word amaze and the word doubt. Mm-hmm. Isn't that something? I got news for y'all. Not everybody's going to believe you and quit sweating it. You're not a failure. I went to Matthew 28, the very end of it, and the disciples went away into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. He's already resurrected, he's fixing to ascend to heaven. And that's where he said, all power is given unto me. And do you know what it said? And when they saw him there, they worshiped him, and some doubted. What if y'all was on a mountaintop meeting with the resurrected Savior looking at him? Y'all ain't helping me. Looking at him, listening to him, the hands and the side at a special appointment he had and some doubted. Can I encourage you men of God, there ain't nothing wrong with you just cause you ain't winning everybody. Jesus was hanging on the cross with two outstretched nail-pierced hands. One got saved and one didn't. According to some, he wasn't a good soul winner. He didn't know how to draw the net. He missed a couple of good seminars. Y'all ain't helping me. I went to a Bible college. My boys got called to preach this past summer. He's in the, it's a good place for character, but I don't know if they give you much else. Good place to grow up, maybe. Only found one Bible college in the Bible and they didn't, none of them believed in the resurrection or eternal security. Only time I have seen a Bible college, the sons of the prophets, Elisha, Elijah's, he, Elijah's been traveling with Elijah. Elijah gets whisked up to heaven and them 50 sons of the prophets, like I'm pretty sure the Lord dropped him, didn't get him all the way to heaven. Y'all ain't helping me. And They said the spirit of God dropped him. The only Bible college I got, Elijah built a building for them and they wouldn't, none of them get in the get into Jordan, wouldn't, none of them get under the mantle and they didn't believe God's power could take you all the way to heaven. You be careful about schools. Yeah. Mm. The power of God. Don't think you're a failure because you're not winning everybody and they walk out lost and they walk out untouched. Do y'all know, y'all know, every Sunday night the preacher beats up somebody? Himself? Do y'all understand we preachers feel like failures more often than not? Am I right, Brother Mushkin? I mean, I was a teenage preacher boy and I was gonna win the world and then I was a pastor and I figured out I wasn't gonna win the world. and. And then I became an evangelist and met pastors. <laughs> and, uh, and got on the mission fields and met other missionaries. What about that? You're not a failure because you ain't winning everybody. Some of them looked at the resurrected Savior and looking at him doubted. There were people present when the Holy Ghost fell and some were amazed and some doubted. It ain't up to you to persuade people. It's up to you to walk with God. Plow, preach, pray, submit, bleed. Don't quit. Just don't quit. You got one job. Don't quit. That'd be the hardest thing you ever do is to not to quit. Hmm. I find it amazing, Brother Simpson. Jesus called Judas' friend and couldn't keep him. He called Simon, Satan, couldn't get rid of him. He's wanting to walk on water, wanting to tackle a 100 Roman soldiers, wanting to build three buildings. Come on, y'all. I mean, I know he had a bad night there around the fire, but man, he was back at it shortly. I mean, he had a little naked swimming spell there in between, but you know. You gotta work with people where they're at. Wonder if them keys got wet and he's like, whoop, that's the Lord. Ha! Choo. Y'all ain't helping me. My daddy was a pastor, uncles were pastors, grandfather's a pastor. I got brothers pastors. Five generation of preachers on mama's side and on daddy's side. I've been in the ministry, I've been in the ministry. Brother Muskin, I'm, I watched a lot of old men die. Preachers have always been my heroes, and I've watched them die. I've, I've, I've lived long enough to watch most of my hero, many of my heroes die. And you know, they got weaker. And if y'all think the insecurities don't, and the fears don't get stronger, I'm fifty-two. I wish you'd have met me when I was thirteen or sixteen. I'd have helped you. When I was twenty-four, I had some answers for you. I'm scared to death to walk up here tonight. I got more nerves and more fears. I ain't mind telling you. This thing's the Lord's. You better get past yourself at some point. You go to you know, Brother Simpson. I've heard so many preach so much preaching, Brother Agan. On 2 Corinthians 12. Paul, the thorn. God's made me weak. Brother Muskin, I don't know why. Nobody goes to chapter 13, where Jesus died in weakness. Jesus became weak. I mean, I've never preached that like I should, probably. But the how many of y'all heard chapter 12, the thorn in the flesh? Paul learned to glory in his weakness after, and he went on in chapter 13, and he said, and my example is Jesus. He was crucified through it. He got weaker as he got closer to the will of God. Amen. <laughs> Men of God, the good ones, the rascals, the hirelings, the showboaters. Any of y'all sick of showtime religion? We need some old time religion. Hey, hey, be real careful you don't turn your camp meeting into showtime religion. I'm only retaining a few friends through my decades. I think the southern gospel industry is out of hell myself. There are a lot of old southern gospel songs I like. The uh, Contemporary music is out of hell. It's, it's the Antichrist band. You think music ain't pertinent and powerful? You're sadly mistaken. And uh, I like more music than you probably think and I like more. Uh, old Jack Holcomb's my favorite. Irish tenor sang with a tear in his vo- vocal cords. They never heard him. You need to look him up before midnight. You'll stay up shouting all night. Let me tell you something, friend. The hour we live in, men of God, the hirelings and the reprobates and the Showtime boys and the selfie generation and the Facebook pastors, y'all ain't helping me. They love their self. They don't care what happens to people. One thing I've noticed, they don't mind splitting churches. They don't mind dividing friends. They don't mind destroying fellowship. They don't mind. As long as you hit the like on their, on their little post, they're good. But the good men of God care. And I'm gonna tell you something about a good man of God. You can tell him off, but he already believes it. And it just hurts him on top of his hurt. Well, I've done, I mean... I've done got out here. How are y'all doing? Are y'all on the end of this branch with me? We'll all fall together. (laughs) Okay. I stand at the back door for 23 years as an evangelist with past. I stand by the pastor. Isn't it amazing about every fourth person's a smart aleck? They got something ugly to say to the preacher. Well, did I tell y'all I was five generations on both sides? I don't let them get away with it. I'm a little ornery. I'm a little honred. I'm not sure if the Lord's in it, but He's never got on to me for it. <laughs> I ain't saying He's led me, but I ain't saying He's stopped me either. <laughs> well, Pastor, why don't you pray like that? Rather than somebody that I wish I could just work one day a week. I always grab them rascals. It's never a woman. I always grab them rascals and pull. I don't let them I pull them aside and I'm not gonna tell you things I say. (laughs) I pull them aside and I tell them what I feel like God wants I rebuke them strong, some of them. I'm gonna let that demon stand in the hallway with me trying to shame God's good man. Y'all ain't helping me. That's just me, you young preachers. Don't try that unless you want to. (laughs) Give it a try. You may not preach a revival for seven more years. Oh my, I'm still dealing with this. He called Judas friend and couldn't keep him. He called Simon Satan, couldn't get rid of him and all of his plans. And let me tell you something, men of God, I know preachers and a lot of you not old enough to have lived through this, but you beat yourself up for two or three decades Did I handle that right? Must have been something I said. I wonder if I'd have tried this. You know their mama got hurt. All that stuff is lies of the devil. I don't know how to tell you this, but people that love God, you can't offend them. And people that love money and love their self and love a throne, you can't do enough, you're not gonna do enough to ever please them. I need a little help right there. Let me tell you why a lot of bad situations go bad is because that person was bad. It couldn't have went right. You could have have relived that nine times, tried nine different things, it would not have turned out right. But good men of God know that they're full of weakness and shortcomings and yet they're also humble and they'll just agree you're no good preacher, I know it and they'll go home at midnight and say Lord I'm no good, I messed that all up let me tell you something friend you can't get rid of the ones that God actually gave you and God ain't going to let the Judas's hang around quit beating yourself up quit beating yourself up I'm on the word amaze and the word doubt. Oh, there were people present when the resurrected Savior showed and spoke, and some of them stood there like, "Nah, this ain't real." That's right. There were people present when the Holy Ghost was poured out, and they were like, "Hmm." If you think me and you and our church age ministries, which are simply by faith, that if we're not going to be eat up with people as the apostasy grows, and the apathy grows, and the abominations grow, and the antichrist grows, you think we're not gonna have a bunch of them walk away? Quit beating yourself up. I studied the missionaries the other day. Luther Rice, if you're familiar with that name, raise your hand. Only about 20 of you. He was Adoniram Judson's good friend. They were part of the five that prayed up in Massachusetts while they were in Bible college. He was part of the praying five. Everybody knows Adoniram Judson, but Luther Rice, Luther Rice wouldn't go to Burma or India with him. He stayed in America raising money and starting Bible colleges and sending missionaries. Adoniram didn't like it rebuked him his whole minute. They stayed friends, but they always chewed him out for not coming. Can I stop and say, y'all better learn how to be friends and how to disagree and yet still be friends. Be honest with each other and neither one of them ever got offended. Come on now. Somebody's got to grow up. Luther Rice. And they got several missionaries over there. And for 10 years it was you know what they said, Brother Muskin. They said there were more graves of missionaries than there were converts for 10 years. They had an arms wife and baby. Yes, sir. Ann Judson buried that firstborn and then buried her. Yes, sir. And the next missionary that went over, his wife and baby were buried. They said for a decade there were more graves than there were converts. Just telling y'all, don't be discouraged at what's happening in front of you. Don't be discouraged at what's not happening in front of you. Some are gonna believe and some are not and it's their choice. And if they'll doubt Jesus standing on a mountain and they'll doubt the Holy Ghost being poured out, fire jumping off of people's heads and the power of God, if they'll stand there while some are amazed and some doubt, don't be discouraged when it happens in your ministry. Well, I've been up here 38 minutes. Aren't y'all glad I know that? <laughs> that's good, ain't it? That's, that's encouraging the saints right there. Well, let me, I probably should just close and have an altar call. What meaneth this and what shall we do I'm I'm just gonna give an altar call, but let me give you my heart. Wouldn't it be something if God poured out His power until people was walking around your ministry, walking around your church, saying, "What's going on?" Yes. Ask of the Lord rain in the time of latter rain some of you have not because you yes, not ask him open the door behold I stand at the door and knock if any man I'll come in and sup with him you can have, you can have Jesus supper oh, so. in a led to see an age any man Percy Ray they said Pastored that little Southern Baptist church 15 years. Resigned every other month. And then finally he did resign. Got tired of fussing with the deacons. Read his letter. Slammed it on the pulpit. Walked out of that little wooden church that's still there. And he went through the double doors, but he couldn't get out of the foyer. A little Polack woman. Name about that long and ends with, key. Czechoslovakian or Polish or both. They said she came come out of the back and before he could get a hold of the doorknob to walk out, she caught the hem of his garment. She caught his suit cut. And she said, preacher, would you stay for just one? She said, I want God Would you stay for just one? If any man will open the door. The Lord wouldn't let him walk out that door. (laughs) He turned around and went, walked back in and said, I'm unresigning. And it was a matter, I think of two or three weeks that he got those men out in that field, and then four fireballs came from the north, the south, the east, the west, and they was reading the old Schofield Bible and had it open, and God gave him a promise by fire in the sky. Went out, I think, the next morning or the next, and took a shovel and stuck it in the ground by faith. Didn't have a dime in a big old Cadillac from Texas. Ridden down somewhere to Mississippi and the man said, I woke up this morning. I forget how much money, a bag full of money. He said the man said, I woke up this morning, and the Lord told me to drive until I seen a man in a suit with a shovel and a field. And every camp meeting you know and every Holy Ghost meeting you know came directly or indirectly. Yeah. Am I right? Out of the camp Zion. You're right, Doc. Sammy Allen sat there as a preacher boy. I look at all the young preachers in this meeting. Every old-fashioned meeting that you know came directly or indirectly. The last few Southern Baptists that had to power God. He wouldn't let Charles Stanley leave. You remember that story? Percy Ray said, there's a boy named Charlie He's trying to leave the meeting. Yeah. Don't let him leave, God's gonna touch him. Yeah. And I know the Stanley's turned into something that we're not, but there was a generation. Percy Ray, the year Israel was reborn Laid out in that field and brother the generation that saw the birth of Israel in 48 the birth of Zion in 49 and that man of God laid on the Mississippi and held the east and the west for 40 years for a generation. All because one little old Czechoslovakian Polish woman (laughs) calluses on her knees and calluses on her hands and on her thumbs hard working immigrants. Would you stay for just one? I'm going to tell you something, men of God. I don't have the answers for how to have the power of God fall on your ministry. I just know that He will if you want not How bad do I got to want to, better than anything in this world? you got to be willing to let God kill you, let God resurrect you, let God make an end of you, let God make a beginning of you. you got to be willing to let some of you, you don't want God to make you large. Some of you don't want God to make you small. I don't know what it is, but you'll lay in a dark basement somewhere until you and him figure out what's in the way. And then that thing will come open. I was 26 and laid in a back of a warehouse in Dallas, Texas and I thought God is gonna kill me and I told him, go ahead. (laughs) Amen. And walked into a resurrection. I'm done. Won't you softly play, dear sister. That same Holy Ghost will fall on our churches and our ministries. You don't need apostolic signs. Just need the power of God. Don't worry about who believes and who doesn't believe. I want everybody to stand. Make it easy to move. Find you a place and let's